Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Life podcast. I am so grateful to all of you for all of your incredible feedback on the episodes so far. I feel like I'm really going on a journey with you all and learning and expanding with our incredibly wise guests. And today is no different. We have got the very special Deanne Holder here sharing about soul success and living a life by design. And this conversation really brought up a lot for me and I was feeling everything that she was saying really deeply and I'm sure you all will too. It's full of information. It is activating, inspiring and so, so juicy. So enjoy and see you next time. Thanks for listening. Deanne is a life design and leadership mentor. She is here to help leaders build quantum prosperity and flow. She is the CEO of a multi six-figure business, paving the way for expansion and soul success. She faced a severely debilitating illness that awakened her to the necessity of fully embracing her multi-dimensionality as a woman. And it was during her 10-year healing journey that she realized the root of her dis-ease was a deep lack of self-love and appreciation for her unique soul identity and its magic. She now works with the same awareness within the body, minds and souls of women who are ready to up-level themselves and the world. Diane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Steffi. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I feel that it's really necessary that we start at the very, very beginning for our listeners. Can you tell us what is life design and what is quantum prosperity? So for me, it's about being aware more than anything that we are each uniquely coded individuals and we each have a unique spectrum of gifts, of challenges potentially as well that will come into this lifetime to resolve, to explore, and then to open ourselves up to the gifts that we each have and to bring that forward as a missing piece of the puzzle in this beautiful experience of life that we're all in. So what my work is about is unearthing and uncovering that or helping you guys to unearth and uncover that within yourself so that you can really live in alignment with who you truly are, who you're designed to be, and to create lots of you know, flow and magic and ease from that. So quantum prosperity is like the understanding that on the deepest level of who we are, we're already prosperous, right? There's so much beauty, there's so much magic, there's so much that we're coded with that we're here to bring forward. And my understanding of life is that this is what the journey is about. It's a deep exploration as the human into what those things are for us, what the meanings we are here to give to the experiences of our life and to build the most extraordinarily prosperous life across every possible area. So this has been my journey over the last, I would say, probably 20 years. And it excites me 
and it turns me on and it invigorates me having the opportunity to support other people to do the same. Mm. And in turn, all of those feelings, that excitement, that turn on in its cycle brings back prosperity, right? It's like this attraction when you're in that, when we're finding what turns us on, that, as you said, is prosperity and we'll feel it on all levels and aspects of our life, right? Absolutely. And I think you put the nail on the head there because for me, it's a feeling. It's not what we have necessarily. That's a byproduct of the feeling that we can cultivate inside of, oh my goddess, like, there's so much love, there's so much beauty, there's so much to be appreciative for. And that's not to bypass, you know, the very difficult human experiences that we navigate through, but even within those experiences, right? There's so much mm. richness. Like I can feel in my body, like, giving me goosebumps. <laughs> So I'm speaking about it, you know, and this is what this is what we get to tap into and feel. Um, and then as a byproduct, we channel that feeling into what we want to create in our lives. Mm, the epitome of alchemy to me. Like my nipples are standing on end. <laughs> Diane, I also wanted to say there when we're talking a little bit about your perspective on life design and I don't know anything really about human design and I don't even know if that's at all any of the work that you do but from what I understand which really I feel is so helpful and not acknowledged enough in our society and in our culture is that we are as you say so uniquely coded and I feel like we're programmed and conditioned to succeed in life by one certain way like if you work 15 hours a day and you climb this ladder you are going to be in alignment and prosperous and financially successful and then we all try to do that and we meet depression burnout blockages disalignment dis-ease and all of these things and i understand from from the little bit that I know is that and maybe this is what you speak about with life design but human design is this understanding that we are so uniquely coded and we need to learn about how how and what success I guess is and how we how we go through our day to accomplish that is that correct can you share any more about that yeah yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head it's it's an understanding um, first and foremost, that we each play a very significant role in the cosmic plan, in this great unfolding of life in the universe. And it's going to fundamentally be very different to the next person. And for the last, I don't know, four millennia, we have in many ways, lost the awareness and the connection to the truth that we are each designed very differently. And mm. we've been programmed to move through life as though we're all the same. So the education mm. system, and then what that promotes in terms of the career paths that are traditionally most successful, the way that we learn, the way that we interact with one another. You know, for me, one of the biggest things um, about human design, and, and first and foremost for me, it was, it was gene keys that really blew my mind and my heart and everything open. 
um, was this fundamental sense that I was right all along. I was okay, you know? Like, I wasn't lazy. I just maybe had a little bit less energy than, you know, a generator, for example. Yeah. And so when I was at school, you know, the way that, that I thought I had to be, you know, it was like I drilled myself. And I actually, and one of the reasons why, you know, I believe I cultivated disease was to come and, and be able to find this path of, of the gene keys, this modality of the gene keys in human design, because the disease for me was about living out of alignment with who I was as an individual. And quite often, that is the underlying root of every disease, is there's, there's some lack of alignment. And it's a very controversial topic because we never want to make people feel like they're 100% responsible for everything that happens to them because on some levels that may or may not be true. But for me, what feels really empowering is this sense that whatever I go through is for my benefit. There's a benevolence that exists as a part of being human, exists beyond being human, that is for me, that is for you, that is for us where everything that we grow through gives us an opportunity to meet ourselves, to feel ourselves, to understand mm. ourselves on a deeper level and to grow and ascend and live so like, prosperously from that place, so in alignment, so joyfully. And that sometimes requires this necessary breakdown, this necessary kind of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, it's a decomposing of what was mm. to, to, to reweave a new tapestry of life. Um, and so mm. things like gene keys, modalities like gene keys and human design really help us to understand, like, what is it first and foremost that I, who is it that I am as an individual? Like, what, what's my unique gifts and coding? What's my genius? From that, what am I here to do? And what's the best way that I can succeed in life? What's the best way that I can bring that mission, that purpose through in life? Mm. Mm. You brought such tears to my eyes there. You speak with such conviction and deep knowing. And it is palpable how connected you are to your truth. <laughs> gonna cry so I feel extremely grateful to be in your in your presence and for you to be sharing this out and together to be birthing this this episode out because it is palpable and yeah I'm really grateful so carrying on from that what way is the mentoring and the leadership programs that you hold in what way are they different to how we've been taught about success in the past? I hope that what people take away from anything that I share is the feeling that nothing is wrong with mm. them. Mm. The experience the embodied experience of I'm exactly right where I need to be right now. I belong on this planet. 
I belong to this moment and that I have every resource inside of me to curate the most delicious life, the most divine to co-create, right? Because we know it's not just us, but to co-create something beautiful and something meaningful. And I think where I try to lead in what I do is by helping people through modalities like the GDPs and like human design to really understand, in addition to what they already know about themselves, because we never want to prescribe anything, but to understand with more clarity these unique codes and gifts that they have to bring forward. Mm. And what I've put to the side is this generic way of putting everybody in the same basket and saying this is how we create success this is what's going to work for you because I know very well from my own experience (laughs) and from the clients that I work with that that just doesn't fly and this is like you say what creates burnout which makes people question am I good enough right if it's not working for me and it's working for like this person, this person, this person, this must mean that I'm not doing something right. I'm not good enough. And the world of, you know, of, of um, success has up until now, as we know, been very hyper-masculine. And so therefore it's worked for a specific proportion of, of society. But what we're ascending into now is an understanding and an awareness that things get to be different. We're on the precipice of a huge awakening, of a huge Mm. shift in consciousness. And what works before isn't going to work anymore. The generic ways, patterns, systems, structures of doing things, of creating, of being in life, that we've been so accustomed to, and as women, we've embodied, right, in order to succeed, in order to get by, in order to try to thrive. But what we're noticing with all the things that have been happening to our bodies over the last 5,000 years of patriarchy, essentially, is that slowly there is a necessary, I have to say a necessary, controversial again, but a necessary breaking down for us to wake up and see, oh my goodness, like this isn't the way. This isn't the path. And this is, for me, why I'm so grateful for the disease, because it woke me up to what was false, and it woke me up to what gets to be true now. And so in my work, this is the crux, this is the foundation. What's true for you? What's true for you? Feel it, know it, understand it, and live and believe in that place. So powerful. And I, I love what you said at the very start there about your work being like, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. This, and I can... I feel like you're talking to my soul right now through everything that you're saying and I'm 100% with you and feeling it all. This, from my experience and my big kind of wake up moment, that that breakdown had to happen in order for me to break through and realize that 
what? This is not the way. And I will not do this any longer. But, you know, that really I was searching, searching this deep belief that there's something so wrong with me and I need to be fixed. And someone needs to fix me. And how can they fix me? And thank God. Yeah, what what an amazing and I and I and I love what you're saying about being tender as well, because this is a lot, but for me personally. What an amazing gift that that was, because if that hadn't happened, I would just have continued with that, not with this knowing and this trust and this now deeply embodied knowing there's nothing wrong with me. And as you say, I absolutely am where I'm supposed to be. And this has propelled me, this alchemy to where I am now and to what I know and to alignment. And that disalignment was what caused dis-ease. And so now it's about trust, isn't it? It's just trust. 100%. One of the things I have to say, you know, is why would an intelligent, omnipotent force of creation put you somewhere where you don't belong? Mm. Mm. We belong where we find ourselves. And I know, again, that that is one of the hardest things potentially to comprehend. But it can also be one of the most empowering if we give ourselves the opportunity not to bypass the real feeling and the rawness of the situation and the humanness of it, but we really give ourselves the opportunity to feel beneath What's the intelligence? What's the beauty of this? You know, this really difficult situation that I'm going through right now. There's something in it, and I might not be able to 100% touch it right now, fully tangibly. But there's something that I know I can hold on to that is fully supportive of my growth and my evolution on this planet. And the more that we can allow ourselves to explore what that is in every difficult situation, the more that we kind of move through life. Because I'm not a believer that we're here as human beings to live a life which is just completely plain sailing, happy, happy the whole time. I'm like, why would that be interesting for our soul? You know, as a human, the trust and the awareness and the expectation that life will have ups and downs. But what's the meaning that we're choosing to give to each experience? Are we willing to see that there's beauty in everything? Mm. Are we willing to claim sovereignty in every situation rather than succumbing to what society sometimes wants us to, to do, which is to, which is to be the victim? Mm. So easy to do as well. So celebrated, quite celebrated. Yeah. And so, Deanne, what was it in your life? Is there a specific moment, specific learning that that led you to this work? And was this all born from a process of alchemy or is it from many things through your life that's brought you here? Or was there one really big moment? I probably say the biggest moment was was falling ill. I remember being um, in a hospital room, getting all these 
checks strung up to all of these machines because they didn't know what was wrong with me. So to cut a long story short, I lost mobility in my body very suddenly. And, you know, I couldn't smile. Um, I couldn't really drink water or swallow properly. Um, my voice completely went. My eyes went all funky. It was, it was really intense. And so I remember being in hospital, strung up to all these machines alone. I was in a room, sat opposite people who were really, really ill, like on their way out, some of them, in a neurology ward. And I remember thinking, this isn't me. Like, what the hell have I done to get myself here? And it was that moment of realizing and claiming responsibility on some level. And again, very controversial. And I don't want to diminish anybody's experience of ill health by claiming that you have some part of it. But for me, personally, I knew that the way that I was living my life until that point was not in alignment with who I was as an individual. I wasn't loving myself in ways that I could. And this was 100% a wake-up call. My body was shutting down. For me, that was a very clear message that I was turning away from myself. I had to turn back towards myself. Mm. And I had to look at myself. And I had to be clear about what wasn't true and what was and how I've been living my life until that point. And that's what shifted things on so many levels. That's what helped me to really heal beyond any medicine. It was the journey I took, traveling the world, exploring, trying to understand, you know, really who I was um, and cultivating deep, deep, deep love and appreciation for my multidimensionality. And a necessary part systems, ideologies that try to pigeonhole me. And that's what has really laid the foundation for the work that I do, specifically with women, to help them to understand and to turn towards the truth of their being, the truth of their soul, what's real, what's alive, what's potent, what's coded within them, for them to live deeply into. And as well as all of, well, I guess this is a big part of the the change in the outlook and the perspective is that I was about to say as well as your healing work, but the fact is, is that your healing work is deeply this, this work around business, right? Like it's, they're not like, oh yeah, Deanne's a healer. And then she's also a business coach. It's like, those two things are deeply and completely intertwined, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it has to be, right? Like for me, business, conscious business is an emanation. And quite clearly, from what I see, um, a byproduct of who we are, or at least it gets to be, right? we can choose for it to be that. And so it's not only what we create, that is so deeply entwined with how we feel, what we believe, who we are, but it's also the way that we go about doing it. When you know who you are, 
when you're anchored really deeply into this is who I am, this is what I appreciate appreciate about my gifts, this is what I'm here to be forward. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you don't have fears and doubts going into it, but you're walking, you're creating something which is rooted in a feeling that you have within yourself of anything is possible. I know what I'm here to be for. And so fundamentally, the results don't matter. I've got purpose. I've got clarity. And this is what I want to bring into the world is my contribution to the greater good. And that's so magnetic. It's so attractive. It then becomes beyond almost what you do. It's like you and your work. Like, look at it, it's like you're a magnet because you're living your truth, right? You don't have to be out there pushing, 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 striving, 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 convincing, convincing, because you are the embodiment of what it is that you teach and you share with the world. Mm. I loved something, actually, I saw you write recently about when you were sharing about exactly this, about you and Felix working together on retreats and, like, people asking if you're tired or how you're doing it. And I remember you said that I'm not doing something now. My work is like extension of who I am, you know? So there's not like putting on different cloaks or like having to pretend or act. It's just an extension of your work and your love and who you are. And so therefore it flows and it's easy. That's how it feels. Mm. And so... And so that brings me beautifully onto what, for whatever reason within me, has really been like, oh, wow, what's going on with Deanne and Felix and this like expansion of what seems to be wealth, prosperity, also financial prosperity, and you living your dreams and moving to a beautiful place. And I wanted to know if you could share, has there been a moment that on top of everything you've been speaking about, on top of that, was there a moment that flicked the switch for you in terms of finances and maybe where you had been holding back? And do you know what that was? I would say that it was a full-blown yes to life. Mm. Full-blown yes to the calling that for so long we had been putting to the side because there was some fear, not around what we could deliver, but I guess the energetic flip side of becoming more visible, of becoming more known for what we do. And I think we both decided that we're here on purpose, our relationship holds a purpose beyond what it does for just us. But that we've been brought together here for oh, years. We <laughs> that we've been brought together for a very important and specific reason. Mm. And over the last 17 years our journey has been about unification through the kind of the challenges that we've had, you know, as a couple, 
but also what our, our relationship represents for the world. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's an honour to be able to say that. And I don't mm. say it lightly. And so, in saying yes to that, it feels like our duty and our responsibility, not an obligation, but a chosen responsibility to bring our love forwards. And love is attractive. Love is magnetic. You know, mm. love is the foundation of the work that I do, that we do together. And the financial growth, the expansion, I believe, is rooted in that commitment to bringing our work forwards. And that's all it is. It's mm. saying, unapologetically, this is what we have to offer. Here's where you can buy it. Let's go if you want it. Yes. Yes. And don't you think we need more of that in, in, in this world? Me and my husband actually were speaking about this because it actually it doesn't come up much, but it does come up sometimes. And so getting this opportunity to speak to you, let's talk about it and unpack it, is that I oh, totally wholeheartedly support what you just said there. Like, yes, here's what I do. Come and get on board. And I feel like there is this real dark shadow in the spiritual world, in the healing world, with yoga teachers, mentors, anyone that's out there helping. There is some perspective somewhere that these people who are doing this beautiful work to encourage and support and help people to step into their wholeness shouldn't be paid or be rich what the fuck? Like how deeply fucked up is that? If the people who are out there fucking helping the world wake up, doing this deep work, can't be paid financially for that energetic exchange, do you feel that by you guys really stepping up and owning this so unapologetically, authentically, and beautifully as you're doing, do you feel that there isn't a backlash about prices or triggering or do you find that you are still definitely triggering to people and what is all that like oh yeah definitely you know if we're doing what we're doing right we would trigger is my belief and you know we can switch the word trigger out for activate if you like yes but cool this is about self-responsibility and if there's anything that people take away from seeing us unapologetically sell what we have and love selling what we have. And yes, there, are mo there have been moments, you know, during this, this journey of questioning, is this accessible enough for people? And the way that we have gotten around that is to understand that there are so many ways for people to plug into our world, from free stuff to you know, more higher end, higher ticket stuff. But there's nothing about what we do and about how we give that is exclusive from, from my perspective. You know, the way that I feel and I encumber my offerings is that everything gets to be inclusive. It might not be right now. It might, might be a different 
a late stage in somebody's timeline. However, there's always something. And the self-responsibility piece when it comes to spiritual practitioners and, 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 you know, the desire that I know so many of them feel um, to be in overflow, to be abundant, is that you have to decide that you're stepping out of a narrative that you know isn't serving you. Because nobody is going to change that for you. You know, you have to decide, no, I'm worthy and deserving. And why would my soul want me to be impoverished or to have just enough or to be living, you know, month to month, like paycheck to but why? Why would my soul want that for me? Why wouldn't my soul encourage or want to create opportunities for me to experience being in overflow in this infinitely expanding universe where everything is possible? Why would it want to limit me to just having enough? And I understand that for some people, just enough is perfect and they love it. But for so many others who may or may not be 100% honest with themselves, like they want to be in overflow. They want to have the choice, the freedom to do, be, have, whatever it is that they most desire. And particularly as practitioners who are helping people transform their lives, then how could that not be valuable, valid? And a lot of the work you do is with Felix, right? Like you work together a lot. And you've been together, as you said, for 17 years, which is so beautiful. And you have a gorgeous daughter, Phoenix, right? Phoenix. And yeah, it just seems from what you write and what you're speaking about here and just looking into your eyes and hearing everything that you're saying is like, it seems that you're more connected and more in love and more united than ever. And I know we're all desperate to hear what are your tips on that? And yeah, what has enabled you to work together so closely, but also to be, to, to really protect and nourish your intimacy and your romance? I would say, first and foremost, not to sweat the small stuff has been a, has been a huge, <laughs> a huge, like, revolutionary uh, awareness for us in our relationship. Like it's so easy. I think the way that so many of us have been brought up is to is to um, look at relationships as these experiences, opportunities that we have to try and make somebody else perfect, right? And then everything will be good and happy. And what I see a lot of the time is this like overinflation of things that just don't need that much attention. Just don't need that much drama, you know? And mm. Felix and I, we laugh so much. We laugh so much <laughs> when, oh. when we, <laughs> particularly <laughs> when like there's a trigger and we can see the other person, we, we, we turn things into jokes <laughs> quite a lot of the time. You know? <laughs> and honestly, I really think that that's gotten us through you know, so much. It's like the moment that we can see that this, the, you know, the, the version of us that's like the child that's like, you know, inside, <laughs> freaking out about something. We each have a really good capacity to kind of like turn it on its head, you know, turn it upside down, mm. have a laugh about it, and then we move on. That's not to say that there obviously hasn't been, 
you know, bigger situations that we've had to deal with. And I think another piece is really understanding that we're so different and embracing polarity and not trying to turn each other, which at the start of the relationship, you know, we were 19, 20 years old. So at the start of the relationship, it was all about that. It was all about, well, this is who I am. I don't really know who I am. And I'm trying to figure it out through you, but you're not really who I want you to be. And I'm not who you want me to be. And so I'm going to try and make you who I think you should be based on who I know myself to be. You know, so there's all of this kind of like <laughs> crazy stuff happening. And, you know, I think understanding now, the understanding that we have now is that we're so different energetically and we give each other the space to be individuals. One of the biggest shifts in our relationship was seven years in this relationship cycle. Seven, there was a seven year cycle. And seven years in, we consciously decided to separate and to go and live in different countries. So Felix went and lived in Brazil. I went and lived in America. And we both lived our lives in nine months. And initially, it was really, really hard. Really hard, of course, because we still loved each other, but we knew that something had to change at that point. Things were becoming stagnant. You know, we had to figure out who we were because we were just entwined in a way where we didn't understand who we were as individuals. So we both did. And again, this isn't everybody's journey or what everybody needs to do seven years into their relationship. But it was really helpful for us to explore who we were apart from each other. And I remember a moment in time, and that included, you know, seeing other people. It was really interesting because I think we were both trying to find each other in, a, in, in the new person, right? And it um, obviously didn't happen. Um, but I remember a point in time when I was thinking about things and I was thinking about him being with somebody else. And I felt so much love in my heart about the possibility that he could be happy. Um. It was this explosion of unconditional love that no matter what, I loved him. Aww. And that's when everything changed. It didn't matter what he was doing, who he was, where he was. I just loved him unconditionally. Aww. And it's like, it, it took that for everything to fall back into place. And we came back together. And since then, year year, month upon month, I can put my hand on my heart and testify that it gets better and better and better. Mm. So all those narratives that say that, you know, relationships over time, you know, they fizzle out or they get boring or whatever, like, that's BS. It doesn't have to be that way. When you're committed to loving somebody unconditionally and growing with them through everything, it gets to be juicier, sexier more vibrant, mm. all the things. Yes. When you find it. Oh, I love that. And do you have, do you have the same human design or uh, you're a projector, right? Yeah, very different. So he's a manifesting generator, right? So this is the same as me and my husband. Really? I'm the projector and he's a manifesting generator. We so tell me, what does it mean? <laughs> It means that we work really well together. So, you know, as you may or may not know, the projectors are the guides. Um, 
the visionaries. And again, this doesn't mean that manifesting generators, generators, reflectors can't also be that. But our place in the big picture is to support and to guide. And the manifesting generators are the creators, the doers, the 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 people that that really bring forward projects, experiences for us to grow. So in terms of a relationship, what works really well, um, particularly where you're working together, is as a projector, you see things typically before anybody else does. So you can see into the depth, the truth, the heart of something. And being in relationship with a manifesting generator who has all the energy to bring something into fruition, perhaps that you have you know, seen or visualized or felt, um, it gets to work really, really well. So what I find in our relationship is, particularly when we're working together, is like he has the energy and the, the, the inspiration, the motivation to pull all the pieces of our projects and things that we want to do together and to stand quite often as the, as the front person, actually. Um, and he does a lot of the things. Um, and I love to guide the process. You know, what's important for a projector is that you're not telling people what to do without an invitation. And this has been a huge thing for our relationship. Mm. It's like, I've learned, even though I can see that there might be a better way of doing something or, or a, uh, a way that's more conducive to um, success, I can't just say you need to do this this way to Felix. It's not going to work. He has to be fully open to receiving my wisdom. And if he's not, it'll go in one ear and out the other until he's ready to really receive it. And this is what I find in projector uh, managing relationships is that you could see that for Will, there might be a better way that he could do something or something's come through, but it isn't going to go down very well if you just tell him. <laughs> mm, that's very helpful, Diane. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And and finally, I wanted to ask before we close this totally epic episode, by the way, thank you, Diana. I feel like I'm literally just being a sponge, like take it all in, take it all in, absorb it. I would love for you to share maybe one, two or three practices or anything that we can practice or integrate into our life to help us flow forward into prosperity or soul success. The first thing that I would recommend is finding, like intentionally finding moments of celebration and appreciation for what is. So whether that is a morning gratitude practice, an evening appreciation practice, moments during your day where you pause even just for a minute and you look around and you become fully aware of beauty on some level that you get to experience in this moment. Even if you're sat on a tube, the very fact that you can be sat on a tube traveling somewhere, you know, sat opposite somebody who is 
a beautiful soul in their own right, whatever it is, finding moments daily of appreciation. What that does is that it hardwires, it starts to hardwire your system to look for more because it feels good, right? And what feels good, the body tends to want more of. So that would be my number one thing. I would also say practice of listening to your intuition, your gut. So that can be through meditation. It can be through non-linear movement. It can be through tracking experiences in your life where things have just worked out in your favor, like evidence, like look for evidence. Like every time something works out and it surprised me, I write down in a little book, like my evidence book of this is what's possible. This is what happens when we trust. The more Mm. that we learn to trust ourselves and life, that there's a benevolence and there's an intelligence beneath everything. The more fluid, the more joyful, the more celebratory we can be of every experience. So I would say those two things for me are key pieces in moving. Mm, so juicy. Thank you, Diane. Truly, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. I've had a totally epic hour with you. Like, been crying, had goosebumps, totally just looking at you in absolute appreciation for this moment that I get to do this in my life and learn and listen to beautiful souls like you. So thank you. Thank you, Diane. And as she said, thank you to all of you guys for listening and see you next time on the Alchemy of Life podcast.